This is Toco US brand manager Ian Harvey. I'm here with Neil Landy. Neil has been a longtime Alpine race technician internationally. So he's teched for the US ski team, for Australia, New Zealand, for the US Paralympic team, and for various clubs throughout the United States. He's quite experienced. We're going to talk about some of the qualities that a person would ideally have to be a ski tech, a little bit of insight into the life of a ski tech. There'll be some technical discussion. And then there'll be uh, an introduction of Neil Morales and his new job as Toko Alpine Race Coordinator. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Neil, can you summarize your career as a Alpine ski technician to this point? Yeah, I've been working as a ski technician uh, for close to 15 years now. I've worked with teams from ranging from the U.S. ski team to the Australia and New Zealand ski team. I spent some time with the U.S. Paralympic ski team. And I've kind of worked at all sorts of international levels, as well as domestically with some some of our top clubs in the U.S. Super. And how did you get into tuning and waxing skis? So I got into it initially just from racing myself and just from just my coaches putting a lot of importance on ski tuning. So it started to be important when I was younger, but then when I started coaching and I was spending time coaching in New Zealand. I had a lot of opportunity to be around international teams and a lot of national teams. And as I love tuning skis, so I was always hanging around with the servicemen from the national teams, asking them questions, watching them work, and just spending as much time with them as I could and just trying to learn as much as I could. And I would take that knowledge that I learned from them and put it to work, just working on the kids' skis. Um, And then after a few years of doing that and just talking to different technicians in New Zealand, U.S. men's coach eventually offered me an internship, and that's kind of when I started with UST with the USK team, and really started to develop my skills more professionally. Now that you've been at it for about 15 years, I'm wondering if you could tell me what characteristics or personality traits do you think would be especially beneficial for a person to have if they wanted to be a successful and long-term ski tech. Definitely, some of the core characteristics of a lot of servicemen is just paying attention to the details and just kind of being aware that the small things matter and just being very focused on quality work and just always trying to do the best that you can. It's a, it's a very difficult craft and there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of pieces. So it's just kind of having a love for the craft and having patience and persistence and grit and being able to deal with some of the stress that comes along with it. But it's it's a lot of fun and it's very rewarding. There's some aspects of being a ski tech that people recognize, but they're not so celebrated, let's say. One aspect would be the travel. You're traveling a whole heck of a lot. Um, and you're carrying, how many bags do you, have, do you have on average? I'd say on average, I fly with anywhere from nine to 12 bags is what I would travel with. Yeah, so usually if I'm arriving at an airport, I've got a couple of carts with a lot of bags on me. So you're getting good at moving multiple carts, moving through the airport with stacked high with bags. Oh yeah, it's, I'd say most most technicians and coaches and athletes have a uh, a particular skill in that area. And that makes it difficult to travel if you're ever by yourself because you need to move all the bags, and then let's say you need to get a rental car, it's impossible. Pretty much, you have to do it in teams. Is that correct? Typically, teams is the best. There are times when you will fly in somewhere solo and you'll have all your bags. And that's, that's usually a lot of fun. You get a lot of funny looks, especially trying to go into elevators that don't exactly fit ski bags, and you got two carts of ski bags. So, yeah, you can end up in some pretty fun situations. <laughs> so one aspect of 
of being a ski tech that comes to mind because I've waxed a lot of skis in my life is the morning of the race when you the athlete, you know, the athlete starts at a certain time and you're just getting the skis ready for the event. Is that a high pressure situation for you? Can you describe that morning, how it works? Yeah. So the morning of a race, it can definitely be pretty stressful for the ski technician because all the decisions that you make regarding the equipment all affect your athlete, which ski you choose, which model, and then you've got which wax you're choosing, how you're preparing the edge, everything about their setup. And you're trying to make the best calculation you can to benefit your athlete. And if any of those choices go wrong, that affects your, that affects your athlete. And it's a lot of stress. And not only can that affect them in having a bad race, but it could potentially end up with them having a fall or potentially even worse. So yeah, there's a lot of stress on ski technicians. There's a lot of choices to be made and they have a lot of impact. How soon before the start do you make your final call on wax and actually wax the skis? So usually I'll start looking at the forecast for venue pretty far out in the race. Like it could be more than 10 days out. I'll start looking at the forecast and trying to build a perception of what might happen. And then I'll just start considering which skis I even need to bring to that race based on general weather patterns. And then say, if we're talking about a downhill, I'll have the skis that I think are going to be the best for that venue. And we'll start training with them through the training runs leading up to the race. And at that point, I'm probably three, four days out already starting to wax race wax some of the skis for that day. I don't do any of my final waxing until the night before. So when I start doing overlays and everything like that, that can be the night before. But even the night before, I would have, by that point, I've narrowed it down to which model of ski I want to use, which base material I want to use, the wax that I think has been running well in training. I've looked at the forecast for the next day. At this point, I have my athlete start position and I can really start to look at the fine details of the weather and what I think is going to be the best combination for my athlete to be successful. There has been times when I can see that there's a lot of cloud coverage coming in and out through the day. So I'll bring up two very different skis to the start and I might not make a final decision on the ski that I want to use for that race until minutes before the start. So I can have two skis that I'm prepping and getting ready to go really until the last second, trying to make the best choice that I can. Commonly, you have different conditions in different parts of the course. So you, you might be in a situation where in a downhill with a long course like that, you've got a snowstorm at the top and rain at the bottom or something along those lines where you have ice at the top and slush at the bottom or, you know, different conditions like that. How do you generally navigate that? Do you, do you wax for a certain part of the course? So generally... I'll have kind of a rough idea going into the training days, what I think is going to be the most important parts of the course. I think the most important thing is to treat the downhill training days as it's a testing ground. You need data for those days. You learn a lot about the course and the weather and the snow and where your athlete excels or maybe doesn't excel on a downhill during the training days. So I try and go into training days with a pretty open mind and try and collect as much data and information as I can there to learn about what I need to do from my end. Cool. But if, if it is on a particular day, you've got snow at the top and rain at the bottom or ice at the top and slush at the bottom, 
do you have a general rule that you would yep. kind of say, okay, wax for the slower conditions or wax for the, you know, what, what do you do? I'd say when it comes to wax, my general approach would be kind of taking what the course gives you first, because by the time you get to the bottom of the course and you're 60, 70 seconds in, um, you don't have a whole lot left of your wax on the ski potentially. So I maybe will tackle what's coming first. More importantly, be picking my base material for the ski or the model for the ski or the structure for the ski based on what I think will be more successful throughout all the conditions. That makes sense. I don't think there's much extrinsic reward to being a, a wax tech, but at the same time, if you ask just some young guy who doesn't know any better about things and say, hey, would you like a job where you travel all over the world and you actually wax our best country's skiers, skis uh, before events and and you're involved in these other, other things, but it sounds really glamorous, but when it comes down to it, I think in order to survive for a while and have some longevity like you did, you have to have a deep love for being a wax tech for the work itself. Can you talk about that, please? Yeah, I'd say there's definitely the perception of what it's like to be a ski technician and it's traveling around the world, going to the most glamorous ski resorts, staying at all the nicest hotels. People think that ski technicians get to go out and free ski and have fun. But the reality of it is oftentimes you're, hanging out in the basement of the hotel, you're working from 6am until midnight, and you're just putting in long, long hours. And in the end, it's not about the glamour, it's not about the travel. It's the reality of the job is you have to love the job, you have to love the work, you have to love the process of the job, and you have to love the end result of the job. And I think that's what keeps a lot of people going is the love for ski service. You have to be a purist. In order to truly excel, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you have to be focused. And you, you, I guess your reason for being there has to be the right reason. So I think having a particular type of, not mindset or attitude, but also type of looking at, a way of looking at things. Like, for example, you we were talking earlier and you mentioned that you enjoy solving the puzzle of what situations offer. Can you elaborate on that? Because that's quite interesting. Yeah, I think we were just talking about kind of what what drives me in ski service. And for me, it's always been that each, each athlete you work with is, it's a puzzle. Everyone skis a little differently. Everyone has different tactics that they bring to the course and everyone has different technique. So how do you as a ski technician adapt what you do? So it's trying to solve a puzzle of how do you, how do you set up their skis? Which models are important for them? How do you set up their bindings? How do their boots need to be? And there's so many different variables that go into creating a good setup. And for me, I love trying to solve that puzzle and trying to bring out the best in, an equi in the equipment for an athlete so they can do their best job. And I just love working on that puzzle. Cool. Um, and the puzzle is different for each athlete and for each mountain. Part of what I love about working in ski racing, especially at a high level, is you have a lot of talent around you all the time. You've got amazing ski technicians to work with. You've got just a huge wealth of knowledge to work off of and grow. And, you know, I talked to some of the ski technicians that I had trained under and just trying to solve a particular problem. And in the end, they referred me to their athlete. And uh, 
their athlete was was Bodie Miller. And I just kind of had some questions about him about how to optimize speed skis for kind of early season man-made snow like you might see in Copper Mountain. And we spent a good portion of the afternoon just kind of going over every little detail of the ski, what he feels through the turn, what he looks for in the tune of a ski in that kind of snow. And it was just one of those moments where you realize that working at that level and being around that quality of people really pushes each member of the team to be better because each person can on their own try to do their best, but it really does take that whole team, that whole family, the whole group to push each other and kind of push everyone to be their best. So it was just one of those really special moments for me where, yeah, I was able to just like kind of tap into a really incredible network and learn learn a lot and really improve the craft that I love. Thanks. Uh, uh, that kind of underlies also the effort and the passion that you have for making skis perform the way they're supposed to and also fast. Some years ago, I was talking to a, people who worked in the bike industry. I work in the ski industry. They work in the bike industry. And, and we were kind of joking around thinking, you know what? All the skiers should actually work in the bike industry and all the cyclists should work in the ski industry. And then we could all ski in the winter and they could ride, the, ride in the summer and it would be perfect. But the reality is I love working in the ski industry because I have a passion for skiing and all things related to skiing. And I'm sure it's the same with you. It wouldn't make sense for you to be a bike mechanic necessarily because you probably don't have nearly the passion you do for making bikes tick over properly as compared to making skis function the way that they they should optimally what do you think about that yeah i mean i think it just says a lot about staying true to your passion and working where your passion lies and being true to that and for me ever since i was a little kid i've loved skiing it's the only thing i could ever think of and it's all i ever wanted to do so for me the only natural next step was find out how I could work in skiing at the highest level. And for me, that was through ski service. And it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Cool. I love it. People might be surprised to find out that U.S. team technicians aren't only in the wax room. They're almost always in the wax room, but but they also are uh, assistant coaches, so to speak. You're on the side of the hill oftentimes on race day. You might be transporting athletes to and from the venue, setting up timing etc. So there's that aspect, but there's also spending time watching videos and looking at timing sheets to ensure that the job is being done as best as possible. Can you elaborate on that? Because that's quite important, I think. A really big part of being a serviceman, it's it goes far beyond just waxing the skis and sharpening the edges. I'd say that's, that, that's just kind of like the foundation of the job. Um, it's so important to make sure that your athletes are on the correct equipment, that they're on the right model of ski, they're on the right flex of ski, they're in the correct binding, their plate's in the right place, the ramp angle is correct. So you've got so many different permutations that you need to look after for your athletes. So during the summer, you do, you have to do a lot of testing and a lot of problem solving, a lot of completing the puzzle. So to do that well, you need to spend a lot of time watching video. You need to spend a lot of time comparing video to timing sheets. You need to spend a lot of time talking to your coaching staff and just making sure that you're that you're kind of leading your athlete to their best setup and that you're leading your athlete to the best that they can be. So sure, there's all the time you spend sharpening edges, all the time you spend waxing the skis, but equally as important is kind of going over all the fine details and watching the video and just making sure everything's right. 
So I, I think it's a really important aspect of what you have done and uh, of the job. When you look at timing sheets, they're basically um, splits from the course that show if you've done well or not so well in particular sections of the course. And some sections of the course are more technical. Some sections are glider sections, for example, and they might betray good or bad equipment, you know, performing equipment on different sections of the course compared to others. So are there some sections that you spend more attention to and sections that you might change a setup for or sections that go, oh, crap, doesn't look like my athlete had good skis this day. I need to make some changes. Can you elaborate on the timing sheets, please? Yeah. So the timing sheets, there's there's a lot of variables there because obviously you've got the course breaking down through the session. You've got holes developing. You've got the first run, maybe you have fresh tracks and you can have your best run. Whereas maybe seventh run, it's it, there's a lot of there's a lot of ruts. There's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of there's a lot going on out there. So I think looking at the timing sheets, it's only a portion of the story. So you kind of have to watch video in combination with the timing sheets, just so that you can actually see what the ski is doing through particular sections. You can see the way that a particular setup affects your ability, affects the athlete's ability to make technical choices, tactical choices. So you're kind of trying to compare a whole bunch of variables and look for what makes them the most successful. There's not a pure answer to what are you looking at in the timing sheet or what are you looking at the video? You really have to compile a lot of information and work really hard with the equipment, with the coaching staff, with the athlete to try and, again, just make the best choice for them. There's no pure formula that will answer that question. It just takes, it takes a lot of time. Have you had a mentor or someone that helped you along your way in your ski technician career that you'd like to throw some credit towards? During my second season as a ski technician, I had the opportunity to work with Chris Krause and Chris Krause, for me, is somebody I, I always looked up to and I always considered to be one of the great servicemen. He, at the time, was working for Head and he was Didier Kouche's serviceman. He was Bodie Miller's serviceman. He was with Lara Goot and he's just really an outstanding serviceman. So during my second season with the U.S. team, I was kind of set up in a, I guess you could call it more of an, an apprenticeship with him. So I went out to Europe pretty early on in October, and I spent the whole prep season with him at both Copper and in Solden, and just spent an enormous amount of time with him, just kind of going over every detail of how to prepare skis, how to go over data, how to approach the sport of ski service. And he showed me that ski service is, it's a science, it's data-driven and each choice that you make has an effect, and each choice that you make has to be for a reason. It just made a really big effect on how I do ski service. And Chris Krause is a its a huge wealth of knowledge. Every time I see him, even if it's just for a few minutes, I always learn something new. So throughout my career, I've always kind of looked towards him. Super. That's great. What are, what are some of the favorite places that you've been as a ski tech? And I don't mean glamorous. I mean places that hit you in the heart and kind of reminded you what you love about skiing and your passion for skiing. They kind of refreshed it. Have you got anything in mind? Yeah. I mean, I'd say, obviously you do have your glamorous places such as, you know, watching the sun come up over the mountains in Lake Louise. And that's one of the most beautiful sights there is 
I think, in skiing from the venues I've been to. So you've got all these places that are just amazing, or you've got places like Vengen, which are just classics, and you just some of those races I grew up watching and then getting to go there as staff, as they just mean a lot to me. But I think it's it doesn't need to be these the big famous places like the Vengans of the world or Lake Louise. Like I think some of the most beautiful places I've been are the places that really do impact you the most. And I think one of those places for me was going to one of the carnival races um, at Berkshire East. It's the little mountain. It's just a local community mountain. And I think for me, it was just a really nice change. It takes you away from the, the big famous resorts and just puts you right into the community. And it's just kind of really nice to see just people out skiing and people who love skiing for what it is. It just seemed like a very pure version of the sport that's kind of pretty far removed from all the the high-end restaurants, the high-end hotels. It 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 was just pure skiing and pure love for skiing. And I think that was a really special place for me. And it's just a really fun experience going to races there. Absolutely. Cool. I identify with what you're saying. Let you fall in love with skiing and with your involvement with skiing all over again, some certain communities and scenes like that. Yeah. And I think it just reminds you that skiing is for, it's for everyone. It's for, it's for whoever wants to go skiing, you can come skiing. It doesn't, skiing doesn't care if you're on next year's skis or if you're on your hand-me-downs that your dad gave you. It's skiing is about skiing. And some of those places like Berkshire East or some of the other community areas throughout the country or throughout the world that's, really remind you how special skiing is cool so i want to talk about your your job with toko now too um i want to introduce you to the american skiing public as the uh, toko alpine race coordinator and i wanted to hear your thoughts on what you're looking forward to about your job and why you took the job i'm really excited to be working with toko because i've always had a huge passion for ski service and i've always loved working with high-end tools high-end wax and just kind of working with with really quality products that let me do my job the best that I can. So I think when the opportunity came up to join the team at Toco, I was super excited. One of the things I'm also extremely excited about with this job is it lets me kind of connect with the community of ski racing. I think it's always been one of the things I love most about skiing is the community. And this job puts me in touch with you know, some of our favorite clubs around the country, it puts us, it puts me in touch with just the families and the coaches, the athletes, and it's a lot of fun. And it really lets me work with people to help them grow their passion for ski service or just gaining knowledge on how to prepare skis. And it's just, I think that this position with Toko, it just means a lot to me and it lets me connect with the community. That's one of the most rewarding things about my job, and that would be for your for you as well, is with only a little contact with people, you can make their day or make their week by making their ski experience so much better by helping them in, in certain ways, technically just small ways, but you can either simplify or improve their process of preparing their skis or tuning their skis or their setup, but you can make everything easier and better for them, which I get a lot of joy from. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Have you got any last words that you'd like to share with the listeners? 
yeah, it's just that I'm excited to be with Toco. I'm excited to be reaching out into the community and I look forward to hopefully coming across many of you out there. Okay, so this has been Ian Harvey and Neil Landy and thanks for listening. <laughs>